Hi, I'm Philip Santillan, pastor of Clarity Church, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen or view this podcast of a message from one of our Sunday gatherings. Before we get going here, I just wanted to communicate to you the deep conviction we have regarding this message. This free message resource is not intended as a broadcast ministry, which would create virtual attenders listening from home rather than getting involved in their local church. We hope that no matter where you are on your faith journey, that this podcast is only supplemental to your relationship with the Lord and in no way replaces the local church that you should be plugged into or the pastor God has put over your life to lead you and care for your soul. So please enjoy this incomplete portion of this past week's gathering. We have prayed that God would use it in a profound way in your life and that from it, you would gain clarity on who Christ is. Hey, 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 how's everyone doing? Good. Hey, hey, blessed are the flexible for they should not be broken, as I like to say. And we're keeping things flexible here. Hey, let's give a little shout out again to our production team. Yeah. And then everybody doesn't see it, but there is a man behind the curtain. And Jared, Jared, would you yell out? All right. Everybody say thanks, Jared. Jared and I, uh, a few years ago, we worked uh, together on this uh, conference called Challenge. And uh, he was really excited because he thought he was going to be part of this really cool thing where he got to see behind the scenes. And, um, and, and he literally was behind the scenes all of Challenge. He was, didn't see anything on stage. He was behind the curtain running pro presenter. So he was like, this feels a little familiar, oddly familiar. And so I appreciate Jared. I appreciate our production team uh, just making things work together. And uh, today I'm, I'm really, really excited uh, for a couple different reasons. But before we get into our message part of the uh, our whole time together. I do have a couple things I want to talk about. First is, uh, <clears throat> first I want to let you know that there is still time to join us in the uh, Minnesota Food Share campaign. How many of you already participated in that? Give me a shout out. You participated? Yeah? Okay, all two of you. Great. So we need more people to get involved. All right. And um, if you look inside of your folder, uh, you'll find several things. One is an outline for today's talk. Uh, but you'll see several different pieces of information about our initiative to partner with Minnesota Food Share. Listen, if you have no idea, if you haven't, if you have a hard time connecting, I get this. If you have a hard time connecting with um, the, 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 the tangible act of giving food items with need, you, you just need to talk with one of the Deckers. You need to talk with one of the Deckers. Uh, uh, Carol usually stands up, here, uh, stands up here, okay? And you just need to talk to her and you say, hey, t- tell me about PRISM. Tell me what to do, or talk to Larry. Larry talks like this, okay? You just got to find him, and uh, <clears throat> you'll find him, and uh, there he is, okay? You got to talk to him, and they'll tell you. And uh, listen, they're doing some really good in our community, and we want to, uh, as people who do good, as people who seek after righteousness and judgment, who, who believe that the poor in spirit are blessed by God, not only literally by God, but through his body, the church. Let's be a part of this and let's do that, okay? Can we do that? So next week is the last week. We gotta do this. Let's do this. And so let's, let's have a significant impact as much as we can as a church. So I'm pleading for us to do that. Fill an empty bag, return it by March 26th, or you can donate um, by uh, giving a donation to the donate, donation basket. If you want more information, you can always go to claritychurch.org forward slash do good, okay? Uh, second, <clears throat> if you are our guest this morning, uh, things are a little bit different than usual, <clears throat> just to let you know. So come back next week, check out how we normally do things. Um, but listen, I want to thank you for choosing to spend part of your weekend with us. Um, 
we really do uh, believe that it's an honor that you had a lot of choices uh, what you could do this weekend, and so we're really glad that you're here. In fact, those of us who call ourselves Clarity work really hard so that each week, each week we could have these kind of gatherings, and, uh, and, and we're all sitting in these today so that simply we could ho- hopefully find some more clarity about who Christ is, what he has done for us, and then in return, if we really believe that, how would that influence the way we live? We also believe that one of the beautiful things about being part of a uh, church family is that you don't have to do life alone, right? We believe that. And so whether this is your first time in a church gathering, or maybe you've been following Christ for a really, really long time, here's the truth. You weren't meant to carry your burdens, which is different than your loads. Remember, we talked about that a few weeks ago. If you got some loads to bear, like, you know, you went partying too much, now your rent's due, that's your load. We're not carrying that for you, buddy. But your burdens, you weren't meant to carry your burdens alone. And so we sincerely believe that God loves you, and that he wants to hear you share with him what is happening in your life. Not because he doesn't know what's going on, but because he enjoys the tangible act of calling out to him and saying, Father, I need you. And so if you need prayer for anything today, uh, this is just what you need to know. Uh, We have a team of people every single week that wait at the end of the gathering. Sometimes our hosts do a good job of really calling it out. and, And sometimes, like last week, we forget But I just need to let you know, we have people who are dedicated and who have a heart and believe in the power of prayer. And uh, one of the things we believe as a church is that you don't have to do life alone. So if you need prayer, um, please go see our prayer team. Uh, You'll you'll see them after the gathering just kind of huddled around here. And stick around and and, uh, we'd love to spend some time together together in prayer with you. Does that make sense? Make sense? Okay, I'm going to need you to talk back to me today because I don't sound like Charlie Day today. You know, I didn't sound like that. The last couple of weeks I've been sounding like this. <clears throat> but I'm still battling this cough. <clears throat> so if I get to the end of the message and I sound less like me and more like Marge from Homer, um, you'll understand. I'm still sick. So we spent the last five weeks uh, taking a look at Matthew's account of one of the most famous sermons ever given, ever, ever given, <clears throat> by arguably the most qualified preacher who ever walked the face of the planet. You know what his name is? Not Joel Osteen. Jesus, right? Jesus, Jesus. Now, if you're not too familiar with what Christians have referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, or you haven't been with us over the last few weeks, here's basically what you kind of need to know. So I'll kind of give us a little recap. Uh, Inside the uh, scriptures, you'll find what we call Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in a book called Matthew and specifically the chapters, which has been delineated by theologians to help us find things faster. Uh, they, the people who wrote it didn't realize they were writing Matthew 5, okay? But Matthew 5 through 7. So you can grab your Bibles that are in a uh, Bible that's in the back of one of the chairs. Or you can uh, check the screens. Uh, we, we all have the scriptures there as well. You can follow along with us. It'll be really good for you. <clears throat> but in Matthew chapter 5, uh, starts this Sermon on the Mount. I like what one theologian had to say about this particular passage. Uh, he said this, and I'll put it on the screen too so you can read along with me. It says this, and he uses bad language, but <clears throat> not bad as in foul language, but as bad grammar. You'll see it. Anyways, what Jesus teaches in the sayings collected in the Sermon on the Mount is not a complete regulation of the life of the disciples. And it is not intended to be. Rather, it is, uh, rather what is taught here is supposed to be R, right? English majors, are symptoms, signs, examples of what it means when the kingdom of God breaks into the world, which is still, listen, 
listen, which is still under sin. We live in a world that's still under sin, right? Still under death. Is there death happening? Yes. And the, the devil. And uh, you might not call it the devil, but you know that there is what? Evil in the world. And so you yourselves, and he's saying followers of Christ, should be signs of the coming kingdom of God. Signs that something has already happened. I like that. I like that. Because the realities of the kingdom of God do not come from the ethics and the values of this world, what we find is what appears to be in the Sermon of the Mount, a radical manifesto, so to say, of what it means to be someone who is a follower of Christ, a part of, an inheritor of what uh, Jesus often said is the kingdom of God, right? That's what we've been talking about these last few weeks. Uh, I like what A.W. Tozer, anyone ever read Tozer? Maybe the, the Pursuit of God. It's really, uh, if you pick it up, it's classic Christian writings. But Tozer says this uh, on this idea of the meek. He has a chapter in chapter 9 on the Pursuit of God. It says this, A fairly accurate description of the human race might be, turn, uh, might be furnished to one acquainted with it by taking the Beatitudes. Listen to this. And this is where we get our graphic, by the way. <clears throat> and turning them wrong side out, upside down or whatever. And saying, here is... Your human race. For the exact opposite of the virtues and the Beatitudes are the very qualities which distinguish human life and conduct. Hmm. So, what does our human race look like? That's a good question. Well, the world says this happy are those who can say, I got this. But what do we learn? Jesus says, Blessed are those who are readily who readily admit and recognize that they don't have a chance. Where do we get that from? Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? The world also says things like this, happy are those who never have anything to cry about, who, who have created the life for themselves where they can just be happy, clap along if you feel like, right, right? That's what we think. But Jesus says, blessed are those who never stop grieving over the reality of the effects of sin in their lives and in the world. Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The world says, happy are those who have pursued a life, climbing the corporate ladder, ascending the things, the metrics that uh, this world considers you're just killing it, yeah, and, 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 and conquering their enemies and leaving no one, no one to get in their way, right? The happy is that person who doesn't allow anyone to stop them from pursuing their best life now, right? But Jesus says this, blessed are those who display the strength it takes to be selfless in every way, with everyone, in every place. Because meek is not weak, but meek is the strength to be what? Selfless. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The world says, happy are those who are able to satisfy themselves with all this world has to offer. Who are able to fill their lives with stuff and this and that. If you can do it, do it. Say la vie. This is the life that you live. You know, right? Live everyday lives, right? That's, that's what this world has to say, right? Most famous quote I've ever seen is, you know, they say money doesn't buy happiness, but sure makes me comfortable, right? You know, or, right? You have, I have this cousin of mine who puts all these, I was going to show some of them, but they're just so ridiculous, like these positivity quotes. Sometimes I just went like, all right, anyways. So that's what the world says, but what does Jesus say? Jesus says this, blessed are those who are starving 
for what this world could never offer. What only God can provide. That's what we learned last week. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And in their search for what they can never find in this world or in themselves, but in God alone, they will be satisfied. So today we land on a subject that does not very well fit into the mindset of the world and the current culture we live in. The previous kind of people are the people Jesus calls blessed. And these are what you would call the who of who are the blessed people. Because of out of the who flows what you do. Over the next few weeks we're going to be looking at some of the important signs. Or uh, we sometimes call it fruit that makes a person blessed. So, here's what we're going to do. Um, you're going to listen to me snort my snot. <laughs> Blessed are those who mourn. <laughs> I'm so sorry I'm here. Um, <clears throat> we're we're going to dive into our text, and, and I'm just going to warn you. You're not going to keep up, uh, so, but I, uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, stuff today I want to cover. Scripture, you're not going to be, unless, you're really, unless you've done sword drills growing up, you're going to have a hard time keeping up, but... Uh, I just want to walk you through. I, I just, I thought every once in a while I, I just would break and just give, especially those of you who've been following Christ for a while, I, I just want to give a break a little bit and, and maybe give a, a whole biblical perspective on, on what we're talking about here, what Jesus is talking about, right? Because we believe as, as Christians, and if you're not a follower of Christ, I, I get this, this seems a little weird. You don't have to believe anything we say. But, but if you follow Christ, we believe this, right? That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was what? God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? So Jesus, Jesus, the Bible's not about us, it's about who? It's about Jesus. And so we can look to all of scripture and we can find out the character of Christ. And I think today Jesus talks about uh, himself primarily, and we're going we're gonna to find out more about that. And so we're going to dive into the text, and, um, and then I'll pray, and then I'll ask God to help us by his spirit to hear, not just to understand, right? There's a difference. <clears throat> not to hear, just, uh, but, but to understand, uh, but for our hearts also to be filled with faith that moves us into action, right? I, I, would, hope, I would hope that none of us would just listen to, to uh, what we're talking about today and go, that was, that was really good. I believe that's to be true. Well, back to my old regular life. I hope we would be moved with faith to action, right? So uh, here's the verse, <clears throat> and we'll, we'll, read, we'll read it, and it, goes, it says this. Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall shall receive mercy. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, um, when you read the scriptures, I think oftentimes we, we tend to bring our, our biases and our worldview into uh, what we're reading. I pray this morning that we would be enveloped by who you are and the realities of your character as told through all of scripture and not necessarily what we believe mercy to be, what Juju instruct us what mercy is so that we can put our faith and trust in you and in turn become like you in our everyday lives, knowing that blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Help us to be agents of mercy in the world we live in. We need it desperately. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So, are you ready? 
<clears throat> you ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to school here for just a little bit, okay? I know this is not typical. I'm not going to sing any songs, I don't think. Uh, I'm not going to do any dances, I don't think, all right? But we're just going to look at some things in the scripture, and we're going to go through a lot of different scriptures, if that's all right with you. Is that okay? So, first thing is this. To understand what it means to be merciful, I I really do think you have to understand who God is first. And listen, what I'm about to tell you, you just need to know this. Uh, You don't need a college degree. You don't need to go to seminary to find this stuff. Uh, We live in the post-information age. In fact, one of the reasons why I usually don't do what I do is because most of you are smart enough to figure out this information on your own. What I hope that you do when you come together here is to be challenged by the word of God to, to a specific area in, in, in your life and as it pertains to us as a body and as it pertains to us being in this community, right? Because that's why we get together. That's why we want to talk. And that's why I hopefully get up and talk so that I can have a, a, a pastoral say to, uh, message to give us and say, hey, this is how this can happen in the realities of where we are right now. But today, I, I just want to do a good job of maybe convincing our hearts and minds about the reality of who God is so that who God is so we can believe it. And then we can really take a look at mercy in its truest sense. So uh, real quick, this is what I want to do. I just want to read this. Um, <clears throat> it says this. So we're going to just spot out a couple verses. This is who God is. If you didn't realize this, God is a merciful God. Sometimes we only think God is merciful in light of the New Testament. But God has always been merciful throughout the whole scripture. In Genesis chapter 19, verse 16, uh, there's a story and, and it goes on, and I'll just read it instead of explaining it. Maybe you'll get the, the point. It says, when Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city. For the Lord was merciful. Merciful. I'm going to ask you to say that with me, so it's kind of participation. Again, in Deuteronomy 4.31, it says this, for the Lord your God is a merciful God. Good. He will not abandon you or destroy you or forget the solemn covenant he made with your ancestors. 2 Samuel 24, 14. I, I'm in a desperate situation, David replied to Gad. But let us fall into the hands of the Lord for his, what? Mercy is great. Do not let me fall into human hands. Psalm eighteen twenty five. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. And then Nehemiah goes on to say, but in your great mercy, you did not destroy them completely or abandon them forever. What a gracious and what? Merciful God you are. Okay, look, we've just gone through a big, chunk, a big chunk of the Old Testament. The people of the Old Testament understood that God was merciful. And I know sometimes you look at the God of the Old Testament like, how could God be so merciful? He's not merciful. I look at it and because it's because you're, you're looking at a, a, a portion of literature that was not written to you. It is for you, but you didn't take the time to understand what it actually means. But you need to understand that the people who lived in that time, the people who believed in God, who believed in Yahweh, understood this idea that God was what? Merciful. Does that make sense? Yeah. Isaiah 55, 7. In the, in the heat of the wickedness of Israel, Isaiah says this. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have what? Mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God. And he will do what? Forgive you. Generously. He will forgive you. Daniel 9, 9. But the Lord our God is, one more time, merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. See, we often tend to think of God as two different people, the God of the Old Testament, right, and the God of the, Old, the New Testament. But when you read the New Testament in light of all the scripture, you can see that God has always been a God of mercy. 
And so when you read what Titus, has to, uh, what, what Titus tells us, where Paul was writing to, to Titus, and he says this, you, you understand that Paul wasn't making something up just simply because of the cross, but because it's always been part of the nature of who God is. He says this, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Later, again, Hebrews, it says this, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his, what? Mercy. Mercy, And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And so in there, I think we get a picture of what mercy looks like. When we look at who God is. And when you look at who God is, you find this. God chose to use his power to extend forgiveness to the guilty and compassion to those who were of the greatest need. Right? God used his power. He was power. Mercy, again, is not weak like meekness is. Mercy is power to extend forgiveness to the guilty and compassion to those who are in greatest need. This is why the poor are blessed. This is why those who mourn are blessed. This is why those who are meek are blessed. And this is why those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, those who are desperate for the realities of the kingdom of God to be alive and well in their lives, this is why they're blessed. Because God is always, all throughout scriptures, God has consistently demonstrated that he is leaning into the lives of those that are wholly leaning into him. Not because they have something to offer, but because they have Nothing. And God alone is the solution. That makes sense? Isaiah says this, <clears throat> Come now, let us settle this, or let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. God has always been the solution to our problem. And God will always be leaning into those who are wholly leaning into God and who he is so that they can in turn become more like him. Because of who God is and what he has done, it makes sense that a person who receives mercy will always what? Display mercy. So a person who receives mercy will also display mercy. This is not just something that was expected of followers of God because of the love that, the God, the love that God the Father demonstrated by sending his son for us. You just need to understand that. This was, in fact, something that God always desired from those he would call his people. In the Old Testament, mercy is translated into this word chesed, okay? And I just want to just take a look again at some verses that talk about this Chesed, this mercy of God. And you'll see this. You'll see that this, is, this was expected of the people who were called God's people even before the cross. Uh, Hosea 6.6, 6, for I desire steadfast love. That steadfast love is the word chesed. And not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Micah 6, eight. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires, you, uh, requires of you. To do what is right. To love what? See, chesed, and to walk humbly with your God. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Zechariah 7, 9, render true judgment and show kindness and what? Mercy to one another. There's that word again. 
The New Testament translates the word mercy as a laos, okay? And it goes like this. James 2, verse 12. This is one of the brothers of Jesus, and he said this. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. <clears throat> and you have to understand, uh, we probably read that, and we don't, that doesn't hit us. G- James was, was talking to people who, who understood that the law was like binding. It was like, ah, no, you can't do this, you can't do this. And so when, when James said, live under the law that gives freedom, everyone knew what he was talking about. And he said this, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who's not been merciful, but mercy triumphs, literally, the phrase there means kind of like, like when you beat someone down, not that you would, because that's totally not Jesus, but, but if you happen to like beat someone and you're like, ha, 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 that's what it means to boast, to literally stand over and to go, yeah, and what? Drop the mic, right? So look, triumph boasts over what? Judgment. So what is this law that gives freedom? Well, Paul says it best in Romans chapter 3. He says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. Yet God in his grace freely makes us what? Right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he what? Freed. See, here's the law of freedom. When he freed us from the penalty of our sin. That's something to be excited about if you love Jesus. Jesus freed us from our sin, amen? Yeah, he did this. And when you live under the law of freedom, you are given the power. Listen, you're given the power of mercy because the power of mercy is shown to you. You can do this. This is why Paul says in Ephesians, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ in, uh, just as Christ, uh, God forgave you, right? And as followers of Christ, we're called to represent the character of God. Because we learn that God is what? He is what? Merciful. God is mercy. And we are to live as though we are here on earth as the people of the kingdom of God. Now catch this. Catch what Jesus' brothers. I mean, I think if there's anyone who knew and understood what the realities of living a perfect life on earth would be the brothers of Jesus. And so here's Jesus' half-brothers, James and Jude, and here's what they have to say. Listen to this, James. But the wisdom from above is first all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times. Trust me, there's this one time I was trying to wrestle Jesus, and Jesus was like, no, I forgive you. And I was like, no, anyways. Um, And willing to yield to others. It is also full of what? There's that word again. Mercy. Wisdom. The ability to live life in every day in God's way, in God's world. It's full of mercy and the fruit of the good and, and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it's always sincere. Jesus' other brother, Jude, said this and have mercy on those who doubt. Some of you wonder why we create gatherings like this. Some of you, like, <clears throat> Phil, why do you always talk to people who are not believers? Because I believe at any time there could be people here who are, don't believe in Christ. And you know what? Here's the thing. Here's a dirty little secret about us Christians, too. We, we struggle, don't we, to not believe the realities of who God is. That's what sin is. Sin is, sin is a lack of belief in the realities of who God is. Because we don't believe who God is, we don't act how... We, and, and so, listen, 
We believe that the word of God is not just for those who believe, but who doubt and are leaning into God, who are leaning. And so if you're leaning into God here this morning, and, and maybe you don't believe everything you've heard about Jesus in the Bible, but you're here, would, would you just listen and learn and get a clear picture about who Jesus is? And then if I can encourage you to believe that, and believe in him and watch him begin to change your heart. As Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will know what the good and perfect will of the Father is. Right? So, so just do that. We'll do that. And I, I, think, I think God will do a great work in our lives when we do that. So Jude 1, uh, 22, 23, have mercy on those who doubt. Save those by snatching them out of the fire. To others show what? Mercy with fear. Hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So this idea of mercy, it's nothing new, right? Oh my goodness, I am running out of time. So let me, let me just bring this in real quickly. I, I had a lot of verses I said. Uh, so, so the question is this, how do you know if you're living a life of mercy? Well, there are two pillars of mercy. The first one is this, the merciful embrace forgiveness for the guilty. I should mention that... <clears throat> And I have to apologize, by the way, because there are many preachers, I, I myself included, I know I've done this. But in studying this, I just really had to wrestle with some things that I've said in the past, and I changed my mind, okay? Uh, some preachers, in the hopes of trying to convince their hearers to actually live out the character of God in their lives, um, make it sound like a non-negotiable, and you've heard me say this before, um, we have to forgive. We have to, we have no choice. Um, I was wrong. I think what makes forgiveness beautiful is that forgiveness is a choice. You don't have to, but listen, those who are shown mercy are merciful. So the issue isn't, you can't, you're not able to forgive. The issue is just that in your life, you've just not come to grips with the reality of how merciful God has been to you. You haven't come to grips with the sin and, and your incongruent living to God's standard and God's way and how it's disappointed him. But yet God, in his mercy, has loved you and showed his love towards us in Christ. And I want to encourage you, if you struggle with forgiveness and you're a follower of Christ, it's okay. But it's just not okay to stay that way. Would you trust in Christ? Think on what he has done for you. And in turn, here's what's going to happen. By his spirit, he will give you, he will make you a merciful person. And you will be able to forgive. But I don't want to dumb down the call. We are called to forgive, right? But listen, it is a choice. Would you choose today? Not only who you will serve, but who you will forgive. Would you do that? Also, the second pillar is this. The merciful embrace compassion for the suffering and the needy. Compassion for the suffering and the needy. And I don't have time to get into all this, but you've heard me talk about this several times. Uh, for those of you who call Clarity Home, uh, you've heard me talk about this, the, the story of the Good Samaritan, right? And if you're not familiar with the scripture, you just need to look at Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. We're not going to spend a lot of time. I was going to read it, but we just don't have time. I'm going to give you the punchline, okay? Jesus opens uh, an, an argument with a Pharisee who asks, how can you inherit the kingdom of God? He uses Jesus' language that has been used all through these 
you know, through Jesus' teaching. Jesus taught this, inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, he literally says, and says, hey, uh, actually put the scripture up there. Verse 25, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Right? So it's kind of like he's throwing it back in Jesus' face. All of you heard you talk about this, inherit the kingdom of God and eternal life. I'm going to throw it in your face. And so Jesus basically says, well, what does the law tell you? And then they give, uh, the Pharisee gives him the great Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, very good, you're going to go. But then the Pharisee's like, but that can't be it. What, what, what is, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus, in, 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 in explaining who is his neighbor, tells a story, right? He opens it up like a good comedian. Hey, a priest, Levite, and Samaritan walk down the road, right? No, so, but there's a, there's a priest, there was a Levite, and then there's a Samaritan in this story. And there was a man who was walking, and then he gets beaten by robbers, and the priest walks by him and says like, ah, ooh, sorry, he keeps on going. And the Levite's like, ooh, that must be bad, I gotta go. And then the Samaritan is the only person who helps him, right? This is what we see. And then so Jesus at the end here, kind of gives us an aha moment. And, and what's brilliant about Jesus is this. He gets the Pharisee to admit with his own words the definition of what it means to actually live out the great commandments. Check this out. Verse 10, uh, verse 36. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And the man, the Pharisee, replied, the one who showed him mercy... He gets, he actually admit it. And then Jesus said, uh, yeah, now you go and do the same. So Jesus equates the great commandments to what? Mercy, a demonstration of mercy. In the commentary of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, one theologian has to say this. If we have no mercy towards those who are physically and economically in distress, we are not Christians. Notice I did not say we become Christians by showing mercy towards the unfortunate, but that we are not believers if we're unwilling to show mercy to them. This is precisely the point of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus told the story to demonstrate that the religious establishment of his day did not fulfill the great Shema, loving God with all one's might and one's neighbors himself. If you're not, uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, great Shema, it's just the, that's the great saying of, of, of the Jewish Time, that's, uh, that's, what they, that's what they called it. Love your Lord your God with all your heart, love your neighbor yourself. Got it? Shema, great Shema, all right? He goes on to say, the fact that the priest and the Levite turned away from the needy man proved that they did not love their neighbor as themselves. Thus, they failed to fulfill the law and were lost. But the Samaritan's act of mercy showed that he loved his neighbor as himself and that he was living within the gracious parameters of the law. He was a lover of God and of man. Now, I get it. For some of you, what I just read would be extremely harsh, and I read it for a purpose, and I told you that it wasn't me who thought of it because, you know, for a purpose. <clears throat> but listen, if you're not a follower of Christ, you don't have to do anything that we're talking about right here. But if you're someone who's pursuing a life, listen, if you're someone who's pursuing a life of continually learning to submit all of life to Christ as Savior and as Lord, then the life of mercy is not a requirement, it's rather a grand invitation to the purpose that you were created for. And mercy is our purpose because it was Jesus' purpose. I don't know if you understand that. When asked by one of the religious leaders of his time, he lived, uh, um, who, who asked him, Jesus, why do you live the way you live? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 9. When Jesus heard this, people saying, why does he live the way he lives? 
Specifically, why does he hang out with sinners? Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Mm. Then he said, then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. And we read this, remember? I want you to show mercy. There's that word again. Helios, not sacrifices. For I have come not to call those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. So, the call to mercy is really this. It's simply just a call to be like Christ. And that sounds really oversimplified. But it's true. Jesus forgave while we were still sinners. He died for us. He didn't just say, I forgive you, but he paid the penalty for our sin. Right? That's why we celebrated communion this morning together, to remember. Jesus was compassionate towards those in his circle of influence that, are, that were in need, wasn't he? He always, wherever he went, he was healing people, he was touching their lives, he was helping them. He didn't just speak about the need to help those in his life that, he, that touched his life. What did he do? He believed his life was on mission to touch everyone he actually encountered so that every person could have a chance to be like him, but also become a child of God with him. Make sense? That's why 1 John 3 says this, and I'll close with this. See how very much the Father loves us. He calls us his children, and that is what we are. We sing about this, right? Good, good Father. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am, right? That's That's where that song comes from. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. And here's, listen to this. Dear friends, we, already, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like. Uh, but yet, he has not yet shown us what we will be like. Uh, but when Christ, appear, uh, when Christ appears, but we do, sorry, I can't read my head, but we do know that we will be like him. <laughs> right? We don't know what we're going to be like. We don't know what that's like. We don't know. We have a picture. Jesus tells us what it means to be merciful, and we're always striving towards it, but no one is going to get there. But here's what we do know. One day, you're going to be like him. We're going to be like him. We're going to be with him. And it says this. We will, we will know. Listen. But we do know we will be like him, for we will see him. You want to see Jesus? As he really is. If you want to know what Clarity Church is about, this is what we're about, that we would help people come to clarity on who Christ truly is. And all who have this eager expectation to keep them pure, just as he is pure. So, all that to say, and we got to go. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy is the power to forgive, to choose to forgive, and the compassion for those in the greatest need. So who do you need to forgive? Who is in your circle of influence that God's calling you to show compassion to? Just remember, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy.